Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with T.C. Hill, author, natural health expert. Not a doctor. Not a doctor, but a, a new father. Not yet, but well, I bet by now. By now, when the yeah. show airs, you'll be a dad. So how do you feel about being a dad? It's good. I, by now, the kid's probably mowing my lawn, by, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's awesome. Or Somebody you're to you're totally exhausted at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sleep deprived, I'm sure. I'm mental. I'm... All that jazz. And Kenna's yeah. babysitting. Mm-hmm. And Jax is calling me Aunt Kiki. <laughs> um, we got hottie patati Will Schmidt coming from the Bay Area. What's Hello. up? Hey. 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 Will's also not a doctor. Will's not a doctor, but awesome. it may be in six, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's just dive right in soon. But yeah, first, we're, we're if do, you haven't what? liked us on Facebook, oh, that's a good idea. You People better could like do that. us. Yeah, go to Kick It in the Nuts. That's where we post all of our show topics. Uh, you guys can post any questions, or you can pitch a show you want us to cover, and we'll do that. And sometimes. On that page, we'll post nonsense. Or you can email Tony at... (laughs) (laughs) Give out his personal email. (laughs) Swing by his house at... (laughs) Yeah, call him on his phone at... Okay, (laughs) so, Helen, greetings. I've found your books very interesting and helpful. Well, thank you, Helen. I would like... I wonder if she's uh, from Troy. Troy. Helen of Helen Troy. Of Troy. Ah. I doubt it. I think you ah. might have made that part up. Mm. I would like to know if you have come across reasons for an overproduction of bile. A friend's daughter has severe issues, stomach pain, trouble keeping food down, etc. With this, which have been diagnosed recently, but the doctors can't figure out what would cause an overproduction of bile. Should they be looking more at too little acid production? Or are there things that could cause an overproduction of bile? Good question, Helen. I don't think we've ever gotten that one, have we? We never have got that question, but I, I do like how she kind of came up to her own thing a that little bit. That it might be something else. That it could be something else. And that, hey, why don't we think about other things instead of saying, you throw up because your body makes too much bile. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that there could be reasons that uh, a person might have too much bile going on. And, and we're going to talk about uh, some of those possibilities, but... If someone is having major stomach discomfort and they're throwing up, think about where that problem would take place. Usually when a person throws up, they throw up the contents of their stomach. They don't throw up all the contents of their whole small and large intestinal tract, right, Wolfgang Schmidt? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that normally, like, modern doctors will confuse... um, acid reflux with ideas that they have too much acid which is dumb but <laughs> the, <laughs> it's just dumb but I in in hearing this question which I hadn't heard before I was looking it up and it looks like the like the Mayo Clinic or whatever th- thinks that bile reflux can actually occur but 
um, it's very different and distinct from what is normally occurring, which is acid reflux, which comes from not enough stomach acid, which is a totally different thing than bile reflux. But now they can create a new medication, though, for bile reflux. Yeah, <laughs> right. But There's you, a billion dollars. But if you look at, like, okay, like, mechanically, like, okay, let's say, for instance, that bile reflux was occurring, which, you know, is not beyond the realm of, of possibility when you think, like, could that ever happen? And, it, like, they say, like, all right, well, bile would have to get so congested that it would then back, like, up like if instead of like flowing out through the duodenum and the intestinal tract, like maybe there's some issue with the with the lower sphincter of the stomach that doesn't seal right, and the contents of the duodenum can kind of drift back up into the stomach. Like that, I mean, I could see that possibly. Right, happening. that door would have to be really wide open for because you know we know that the bile comes into the duodenum, which is just outside of the exit of the stomach. So for bile to make it back up into the stomach. That bottom sphincter's got to be like, hey, I'm going to stay open all the time. Which, you know, I, it's possible. It could right. have, like, say someone gets, like, a gastric reduction surgery or there's some sort of trauma or chemical imbalance that's causing the valves of the stomach to malfunction. Then, yeah, I could see how, like, stuff wouldn't stay where it should and, like, the contents of the duodenum could drift back into the stomach and create reflux of bile. That And that's possible. But it's – so then you got to start asking, like, all right, well, what – is it really too much bile? Because I wouldn't think, like, if that's the phrasing, like, it's from too much production of bile, that alone I do not think would cause this issue. I would think more like trauma or some crazy imbalance that's affecting the valves of the stomach because just more bile, like, if things were working well, bile still wouldn't do that. There'd still have to be, like, some crazy issue to the lower sphincter of the stomach for it to ever have a chance to go back into the stomach. Right. So whatever whatever amount of bile is produced, it's still stored in the gallbladder until the body is ready to use it. And then it's going to squirt some down into the duodenum and, and it'll hit the acid product leaving the stomach. So, you know, maybe a gallbladder could be an over squirter. You know, maybe it squirts too much bile and that could be a, a problem. But let's get to the reality of what even Helen feels is probably the situation. And that is, we have talked before about how, let's, here's the thing. We haven't talked about Kenna's diarrhea in a long time. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so let's talk about Kenna's butt soup episodes that went on. <sighs> For a while. <laughs> For a while. So we Got know. have perfect poop. Right. She's a, she's a champion of poop. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she, she often posts it on Facebook. So if Pictures. you're not following yeah. her, uh, you know, actor page, you should yep. do that. Poop of the day. Uh, Kenna McEnroe. Um, but what happens with a loose stool is it's almost always a case of uh, um, too much, not enough bile neutralizing the acid that comes from the stomach, and then it all shoots through the intestinal tract too fast. So that's that's almost always the case. So uh, that's the first thing we try to help people do is help them improve their bile flow so that it can neutralize the acid, and then the stool is the right pH to flow through the system nicely. So we tried that with Kenna, and it... And, the diarrhea she had just got worse and worse. It was amazing diarrhea. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Should it never mind. I'm not even gonna say it. Okay, good. So then what we realized is, oh, you know, sometimes a stool can be too loose because the there's not enough acid to mix with that bile, and the bile is very alkaline. So the alkaline substance 
can be just as irritating, and that was causing her Well, diarrhea. you were mentioning the gallbladder, but I was remember when I was trying to do the ketosis diet, and I had I was eating a lot more fats, and I was getting sick and nauseous and all that, and it was, you know, I did a whole bunch of, like, the beet flow and the enema and all that stuff, and it was just, you know, too much. Maybe she can't handle fat. Something's going on with her bile, and she it makes her nauseous, and she throws up. Well, that could be a thing, but let's come back to that. Don't let me forget that part. Um, but in any case, if a person is not making enough stomach acid, but the bile is flowing properly then the food product that leaves the stomach is not going to be acidic. It could still just be kind of alkaline and kind of rotting and fermenting. So then the bile comes down on there. Usually the alkalinity of that bile is kind of neutralized by the acid leaving the stomach. So now if there's no acid, the alkalinity doesn't really get neutralized. It's the two things meeting that makes everything happy. So now she probably has a lot of unneutralized alkaline bile moving through the system so doctors could be taking samples and like oh man there's all this bile you must be making too much bile instead of looking at the realization that the bile has just not been neutralized by the acidic stuff you know both of those things need to neutralize themselves um do you want to hit on that for a second will before we move on before we move on to the throwing up stuff just like as you described all that, like, if anyone was, like, kind of following in, like, a little mental visual image, you would see, like, all right, if that that bile isn't getting neutralized or if in, like, the freak case they were just making a ton of bile, it still wouldn't go into the stomach. It would just, like, be more bile progressing through the intestinal tract that maybe would cause, like, alkaline burns or loose stools because of a pH imbalance from, like, from the relatively large amount of bile compared to acid causing an alkaline pH imbalance. But it wouldn't cause it to go up into like the esophagus or the stomach. It would just be more coming out the back door. Right. And so if someone's having discomfort and they're throwing up in their stomach a lot, like, you know, Kenneth was just saying, it's almost always and definitely not always because a lack of bile certainly can contribute to nausea just by the toxicity that will accumulate in the body since the filth can't be removed through the bile. But usually if somebody's eating something and they're throwing up a lot, they don't have enough stomach acid to break that food down correctly. And then what happens to the food as it rots and ferments? Yeah, I don't, I honestly don't understand how so many, like, very, doctors are smart, like, to get into, like, medical school and pass through, like, you have to be really smart to do that. And I don't understand why so many of them would not, maybe it's just because they're following protocol and don't want to get in trouble, but like, why would they not understand that the stomach needs to be more acidic to get rid of that problem? I don't understand why they would be so commonly prescribing PPIs or like antacids. In your classes and stuff, do you call out your teachers and you say, hey, <laughs> I, I know that's going to happen. Gonna, yeah. I bite my, t- I, so far I bite my tongue a Why good don't bit. you like start the discussion and then, you know, you'll be like the Pied Piper of the medical world. People will start following you. Yeah, what he said. Let's do what that guy with an F said. Yeah. Let's <laughs> do what the, what the guy that failed the class. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do- you, need, you need to get A's. <laughs> It's helpful to like hear all like the perspectives though, and it also really helps like refine the understanding that that um, that we have in 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 seeing like okay this is the this is the science that they are taught that leads them to these conclusions, but like from practice and from 
reading the other like health science geniuses that have discovered like some biochemical realities that shed this holistic understanding of what's going on like you can start to just really refine your perspective by hearing the other side of it and you're like oh that's why you think that you know right right which is great um hold that thought because we're going to get into that when we talk about virginia's question if you're a health fitness or nutrition professional check out our other podcast six figure health pro we dig into the latest marketing techniques and business growing strategies for health professionals to learn how to take your business to the next level, search for Six Figure Health Pro on iTunes or Stitcher, or go to sixfigurehealthpro.com to learn more. Now, do what you're told, but you know there are issues where bile can cause problems, and it does happen a lot for those who have lost their gallbladder, because if you've lost your gallbladder but the biliary pathway is still flowing, the body, the liver, is still making bile. It still flows, and so now it goes down to the duodenum. But since there's no gallbladder to kind of store it until food comes along it kind of flows all the time and so uh, it never if alkaline bile is flowing through into the intestinal tract while there's not acidic food meeting it then it can be overly alkaline and it can kind of irritate the intestinal tract it can cause uh, some other irritation problems down the line so that can be a problem but that's usually the only situation that's uh, a little more common where bile is going to flow more than a body would need it and cause trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you'd like to learn how to become a health coach or even just dig into more advanced teachings for yourself or your family, go to healthprocourse.com to learn about Tony and Will's course for coaches. Registration for this course only opens to the public for about a week at a time, so be sure to register for the coach newsletter so you'll be notified when the next registration opens. You'll find more info at healthprocourse.com. And before we go to Virginia, I just want to clarify for Helen that, you know, the steps that we would take if that were us dealing with that issue is we would look to improve stomach acid and see if that improved the situation. If that improves the situation, then that's a pretty good idea that it was probably a lack of stomach acid that was causing all that trouble. Cool. Well, not cool for the girl, but cool. Cool that we said it. Yeah. All right, Virginia. I'm doing a lot of research online. I'm finding all kinds of information out there from sincere to kooky, and I can't tell how to filter out the nonsense and find the real information. How do y'all tell the difference between good, reliable information and utter crap? Do you look for medical studies? Do you trust only one or two sources? Any advice you could give would be really helpful. So, Will, you're with us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, a tricky topic that that I, I wanted to talk about some because we've had a lot of things that we've learned uh, as far as how to do this the right way, and uh, we had a lot of struggles with this long ago. You know, it's just it's so easy to just read something and believe it and try to think that that's the way that it is. And so the reality is that you really have to question every single thing that you're reading because a lot of times the information out there is right for somebody. You know, it's, it's there's a reason that they think it's true. It worked for somebody. So with every piece of information that I look at, I'm always reading it with the question in my mind of why does this person believe this? Why Why are they viewing this as if it's true? And a lot of times... 
I know enough to figure out, okay, I can see that because of this mechanism that it would create this result and make them think this is true, even though the reality is it's causing it because of this. And we could probably make a lot of very simple examples that we've talked about a lot, like like cholesterol. Why don't we use that example first, Will? Like how people believed one thing because they saw a result going on. Yeah, I mean, there... Like cholesterol is a good example. Like uh, like almost every food that's out there that anyone has any opinion of is also a good example. (laughs) Right. Like, um, you know, like carbonated water and bone density, that kind of thing is an example I want to talk about in a bit. But there's a few things that are big flags that you need to, like, ask yourself when trying to navigate information. One of them is, which is like, it's law. You have to report conflicting interests if you're going to publish a report. So like any, any like scientist that works for like a pharmaceutical company or should be also for like a, a nutritional supplement company should also say like, oh, my, I have like conflict of interest, like, or potential conflict of interest in making this report because it really supports the drug company's product that I, and I work for that drug company. So you have to like share the fact that you you have this possible financially vested bias that may be influencing your your research not only like the the data itself like you could skew but you could also just skew your interpretation of the data that you get to be a more favorable result to represent um, good uh, a good sort of showing for the company you work for. So you got to, like, check and see, like, does the report that you're reading um, make any, like, claim or any, like, statement or contain any scientist's uh, opinion who may be biased because of that kind of thing? So you got to look at that as one factor. And if it does, like, a lot of times people will totally discount and say, oh, that is not a valid study because of your conflict of interest. Um just like in a court of law, like if you if you have like reason to lie because you like also killed the person, like you might your testimony might not be as valid as someone who's in a more objective stance. You sound so like you know one, about that for yeah, some reason. Why right? do you want to tell us? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, um, so that's <laughs> one thing. This whole conflict of interest. But then the other thing is like. There is also, and this may be not, and that that sounds kind of like malicious intent sort of thing, and, and greed could be motivated. But then there's other cases where you're, people are trying to do good science, and they do like a blind study, and they look at like, oh, what is the effect of this drug for like this group of diabetics or people with high cholesterol? And they'll be like, oh, well, like for like 60% of people, it totally helped, and for the other 40%, it actually made worse. And so I go, that's, that's confusing. Like, is, it, is this drug good or bad? And then then it leads you to the question of, like, oh, you need to do, like, you need to take into account bioindividuality. And that, you know, people with really good intentions might miss something that is distinguishing the impact uh, from one drug or supplement or nutrient uh, on a certain set of people versus another set. Like in George Watson's whole book, In Nutrition for Your Mind, he found a collection of nutrients that would really, really help certain people with mental disorders like schizophrenia or OCD or whatever it was. But that same set of nutrients would make people like who are also suffering from the same disease, it would make another group of people uh, way worse. And it was be- like through a lot of research, he was able to distinguish like the different metabolic states of 
different people who are exhibiting similar symptoms. And then he was able to make a much more refined observation of like, oh, what's really off is the metabolism. So when we give something to someone who's suffering from like a mental or emotional disturbance, when we help them fix their metabolism, whether it's running like too fast or too slow or not enough at all, then they get healthy. And that's, you can make this more observe, like this more educated observation that it's not just a drug that does a thing. It's a drug that goes into a, an individual and how it impacts that individual makes a lot of difference. Right. So the examples so, you just used with George Watson are perfect because he was finding that these foods or nutrients were quote-unquote fixing schizophrenia, but the reality is that they weren't fixing uh, the, the condition schizophrenia. They were fixing the person's metabolism so that they could properly supply their body with nutrition all the time instead of spikes and crashes, and then all of a sudden the schizophrenia went away. So when you look at information like this, you have to look at, okay, what is it really doing? It, you know, this herb or this food or this nutrient is really not the solution for a symptom or a disease. So if someone is telling you that, you can know that that's false because you got to figure out what's it doing that's helping that condition or disease and why is it doing so for that person. So you're always mm-hmm. looking from instead of just reading something and taking that as uh, blind faith, you have to read something and say, okay, why do they think that's true or why would it be true and, and for which chemistry or population or uh, metabolism or whatever it is, which one would that be true for? So do your own research, have your own laboratory, and run your own tests and research so you can know what really (laughs) works. Right, Yeah, just just run some clinical trials. No big deal. Cool. There's people on the street that are bored. They'll do it with you. No, but – and and another thing to understand here when you're doing your own research – is that you're going to find stuff that's wrong. You're going to do stuff that's wrong. Will and I have done and taught things that um, brought about a specific uh, result that may have been beneficial for that person. But we found later, you know, that, you know what, this might not be the best way to do this. We, we've, let's find some other ways to, that will not only improve the imbalance, but might not cause other problems down the line that you have to face. So they used me as the guinea pig, and right, now I'm so, completely screwed up. Right, Ken is all jacked up, but we learned a lot of stuff uh-huh. by making her jacked up. It's and my not- contribution to the world. <laughs> right. Like yeah, and Sherry it's going to be... Character. <laughs> right. It's going to be the case. Like, that's that's the nature of, of good science and good healthcare is, like, continual improvement. Like, science is always looking for better explanations and... That's really the nature of a theory. Like when we have a theory of like how like the how the stars and stuff move. You know, at first we thought like we were the center, and then we're like we're nowhere near the center. It's like no, everywhere is the center, and it's like this evolving theory about like you know how how matter works and how space works and how like energy uh, is structured, and it's always just a theory that you can never ever solidly prove. You can disprove if you show things are blatantly false, but you can never for sure prove that your theory is true. You can just make refinements and say like with this data, this is the best explanation we got. And good science is going to keep on trying to evolve that theory. So I don't, I don't expect that everything that we say today is like, like I hope it's not the best we can do. I hope we can always continue to improve it. So um, I don't look at that as a bad thing. I look at it as an important thing to be on board with 
with people that are doing their best to understand things as best they can. And sometimes people get locked into like vested interests, whether it's a company that they have or a product that they make or a procedure that they do, that if they're really stuck to like, oh, they have to keep doing things that way, that might end up like polluting their perspective and mm-hmm. or you know or they may end up lying to like try to protect their career or their product or their company or whatever. So try to get people like that's one thing I really like about people like Ray Pete is he doesn't have a product that he's selling. He's just doing science and he's a tenured professor. So you can't even fire him. Like you can say whatever <laughs> he wants and that that creates a lot of freedom for him to have intellectual honesty and right. so it's, it's, it's it's important, and it's also really complicated science stuff that it's not obvious. So um, when people, I guess one last thing I want to say on this point is like, just because you read a report that says something is good, it does not mean it's necessarily good. For it's, you. Yeah. Or if something yeah. like speaks in absolutes, you know, like if somebody ever like, especially like you can do this like with reviews, you know, it's somewhere in the middle probably. I mean, it's never an absolute about everything. Like you said, things are constantly changing and people are constantly learning new things about the world and our bodies and stuff. So... That kind of makes me think, well, that person's just stuck in that thinking, and they're not going to change. Right, and so, and when you look at, like, especially Virginia's asking this question for herself, not for, like, what we do, where we're trying to uh, figure things out to help people figure things out. If you're just looking for answers for yourself, the next step is to take a piece of information that you feel like, well, that kind of makes some sense, and you can test it with yourself and watch what your numbers do. When you can watch if you actually bring about a change, now you really know, okay, this may have been appropriate for me, or maybe it wasn't. Or you can use yeah. me, Virginia, like right. everybody, yeah, else everybody else does. Else I'm uses Kenna. Pig, yeah. We just test things out on Kenna. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so just remember to uh, that... A lot of thing, a lot of times, the things that we think are right, you know, look at how long we thought that the world was flat. It was for a really long time that we thought that, and oops, that wasn't even close. So, if you can go at your research with the with the perspective of, okay, look at everything in our universe now and how we view it, uh, the reality is that all of that could could consist could exist in some kind of ball of dust under the refrigerator of some really big huge creature and we just we think that we're like what counts but we're just Mm -hmm. this little thing in a ball of dust um if you view it from that perspective of everything we understand could be wrong so keep asking keep searching then you'll find some things that will end up making sense for you does that even answer her question no okay yeah. Sorry, Virginia. Yeah. We got yeah. nothing. Right. We got nothing. See? See? Even we, and we researched this question, too, and we still couldn't figure it yep. out. Right. Yep. Yeah. So just keep asking. Um, and, you know, I think just to be fair, like, for people that are they're trying to do their best to, like, research, oh, is this drug good or not? And they're willing to, like, dig in a little bit. Um, it's important to know that you're not going to be able to make a good judgment as a total novice. Like, it's kind of like if you went to someone for legal advice and you just said, hey, can you read this whole contract and tell me if it's, like, good for me or not? Um, A lawyer may read that and they may be able to say, yeah, this is good, or no, it's not. And they they can form that opinion because they can understand the whole thing in the context, 
but because they have training in it, they're able to like understand what all these little by laws are and if there's any loopholes hidden in there. And you're not going to be able to do that as a total novice when you're trying to read like a scientific report on say something like nitric oxide. We had a question this week and someone in the fat loss support group about like, oh look, this this doctor that I really love said nitric oxide's really good and look it increases it lowers blood pressure and it increases blood volume and see it's good. It like helps prevent these diseases. But then like if you know more about the mechanisms of how it's doing that, you realize like that's it's not producing the good result they're saying it it is. It is causing those physiological changes, but it's actually damaging the system overall. The report doesn't show that, but you won't know that and you won't be able to know that unless if you studied like a whole lot. So if you want to like learn these things and be able to interpret body chemistry impacts, like you have to like put in a lot of work to to understand the system uh, more comprehensively. Exhausting, right? But the good news is that you don't have to understand everything. Just believe Tony and Will. Oh, you know, <laughs> you don't have to understand everything to bring about improvement with yourself. And of course, Virginia knows that because she's improved a lot of issues already. So just know that uh, it's just a tricky thing, and this is why this is. Almost all that me and Will do is we just kind of research these things, and it can become a spider web. But you can start some find you can start to find some building blocks that you feel very strongly about, and then you can build on from there and keep adding pieces of information. Baby steps, and if you like, learn how the particular systems in your bodies and the organs work, and all that kind of stuff, and what they kind of run on, and then you can know more, and you can make more educated guesses. You know, if you read some article, you say, well, that doesn't make sense yeah, because crap. this is where, you know, the gallbladder does this. Yeah, and then, right, right, right. That's a good point. That kind of thing. Cool. Dang, I'm smart. All right, we rocked it. Yeah. Today, all of our listeners can get a free audio book from audible.com. Audible.com. Just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook for the details. That's where you'll get all your right information. Oh, in the... Yeah, you just go to audible.com and go to kick your fat in the nuts and all the right information is That's there. where they put it all? That's where they put I it all, that. Virginia. Right. All right. If you want to learn more about how to look at your own chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the almost free four-week digestion course at kickitnaturally.com. I'm reading with a lot of pauses today. Yeah, I'm oh, okay with it. I'm uh, fine with them. Or go to... Uh, Will Hottie Patati Schmitz, mybodyofknowledge.net. And that's where he has a lot of blogs, articles, exercises, all kinds of cool stuff that you can check out and uh, hopefully give you stretch, shed some light on all these questions. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you guys. Bye, Will. 